Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's message is presented by Ken Holsberry, the preaching minister at the 10th and Broad Church. Let's tune in now for Ken's message. Well, we're in our second week uh, of Awaken, and... uh, we are praying to God that, that he would awaken his church to the lost and that he would awaken the lost to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have folks all over the city who are joining together during this month to ask God to do that in us and in the people that we are praying for. And I'm uh, thankful and encouraged to hear conversations and receive emails and texts um, about what's going on. And one of the one of the conversations that I found out about this week is is as people are meeting each other in the community and somehow find out that they're both doing Awaken and they don't know each other. And so they begin to have a, a, a communion uh, because we have a communion with the Lord. And so I'm thankful for your participation in Awaken and for the prayers that you're lifting up uh, to the Father. Um, if you have missed a day, don't give up. One of the things I remember someone teaching me is when we miss one meal, we don't just say, okay, I'm never eating again. I'm just giving up. And so if you miss one day, we'll just eat again the next day and keep reading and keep praying and keep going. And and if you didn't get to read uh, Ted's devotional this week, make sure and go back and do that. It was beautiful and had a beautiful prayer at the end of it. And so I'm, again, thankful for all the folks who are who are involved. Well, if you have been memorizing Romans chapter eight, all I can say is, whew. That is hard this week. It was a hard passage, and I think it's probably the longest one or close to the longest one that we're going to do. And so, boy, if it was hard for you and you, you've persevered, God bless you. Don't give up. We're going to keep going. Um, I am confident that I can fill in the blanks, but I'm not confident that I could stand up here and recite it without prompting. Um, but I am confident that whatever effort you're making, that God is going to bless that. And he is going to impress his word on your heart and on your mind. And so let's stand together. And your bulletin uh, is a place where you can fill in the blanks. We'll have it on the screen here as well. And let's uh, read together. As best we can, Romans chapter 8, we're going to start back in verse 1 from last week, and we'll go forward. Okay, so let's say it together. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Hallelujah. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, 
nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Amen. Thank you. Within the recent past, there was a statue that was unearthed in China. The statue was, they think, over a thousand years old. And as they used x-rays and CT scans and that kind of thing to see what was inside the statue before they did something to damage it, they discovered inside that, uh, that there was a mummy inside. And as they have done more research, what they suspect is that a, a person on purpose, um, as part of a religious rite, or decision, um, ingested over a long period of time and very slowly a poison. And the poison, the purpose of the poison was to mummify himself. And there he has remained for a thousand years. And that is an extreme example of what I call grave thinking. And I didn't mean that as a joke. Because grave thinking is serious. And way too many folks who are under no condemnation are still living with grave thinking. So let's hear the word of the Lord this morning. As we climb back up that mountain of Romans chapter 8 and take in the view that the Lord has given us in this beautiful chapter. Because no condemnation changes the way that we think. Paul says in verse 4 of chapter 8, we no longer walk according to the flesh, but we walk according to the Spirit. And as, as we read this verse, as you see this verse, I want you to own your hand, I want you to count the number of times that you see or hear something that has to do with the mind. Okay? Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit 
desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. As we've sung this morning, as we've thought this morning, Wendell did a great job of picking songs that connect us to the Holy Spirit. And when we think about that, we think about our heart a lot. And Scripture does too. But I also see in Scripture that the mind is critically important. The heart is deceitful above all things, the Bible says. In our culture, and we've got to be careful with this, folks, because we ingest this stuff all day long. In our culture, everything we hear says, follow your heart. Do what your heart desires. We love to quote the scripture, and it's a good scripture, but we use it out of context all the time that the Lord wants to give us what our heart desires. Our heart's deceitful, the Bible says. We absolutely must hear the word of the Lord this morning. That it begins in the mind. It begins with our thoughts. And folks who are dominated, and I use that word intentionally, because the sinful nature wants to dominate you. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are guided, who are controlled by the spiritual nature, think about spiritual things. The first one is grave thinking. And it leads to death. This verse is so clear about that. It just doesn't pull any punches. It's death. But the second leads to what? To life and to peace. How many of you want life and peace? Yes. That's, we want to be thinking about the Spirit. We want the Spirit to control our thinking. That's resurrection thinking. And that comes from God and God alone. He's the only one who has the power to resurrect from the dead. Our bodies, our minds, our hearts, our lives, our souls, everything about us. We want resurrection thinking. We want life and we want peace. And and the key to all of this is the mind. It's our thinking. In Romans 1, Paul goes through this incredibly elaborate description in 1, 2, and 3 about how bad things are for us without Christ. And, and it basically can be summed up is we're all headed, the world is headed, everything in the world and the world system is headed toward condemnation because of wrong and twisted thinking. Darkened understanding is another way that the Bible says it. And so in Romans 12, Paul's going to say, do not be conformed to the world, but... Be transformed. How are we transformed? From Romans chapter 12. Some of you know it. You could say it right now. We are transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. God is calling us to a new way of thinking. 
He is calling us to start thinking based on a new reality that we exist in. That reality is that we exist in Christ. If we have died to sin and and been raised with Christ. We are in Christ. We are united with Christ. We are clothed with Christ. That is a new reality for us. We are no longer under condemnation. We do not walk according to the flesh. But we walk according to the spirit. And so we need to start thinking like the spirit. And if we start thinking like the spirit. More and more we will start living like the spirit. And so this morning I want to give you some things to think about. Some things to remember, some mental habits that will help you move from grave thinking to resurrection thinking. And the first one is, and this is just God all through scripture constantly causes people to remember. And when we talked about baptism, we said one of the incredible, beautiful things about baptism is Paul uses it over and over is to say, look back and remember what happened. And so one of the first thing you need to do, if you're going to have resurrection thinking, you want to think like the spirit, you want your mind to be transformed is you think about what Jesus did for you. That is why we honor the Lord's request and command that we do this in remembrance of him every day week when we get together never stop remembering what the lord jesus has done for you therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus and you're going to be by your own flesh and and by the enemy you're going to be reminded of lots of things and when you are i want you to remember What Jesus has done for you. And no means no. No means no. No condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. So remember. Think about what Jesus did for you. When he condemned sin. See he didn't want to condemn us. He made a way so that he condemned sin. In the flesh. Right there on the cross. In the body of Jesus. Remember and think about what Jesus has done. Number two, think about this new power that I have in my life. If you are in Christ, you have a power at your disposal. Before you became a Christian, the only weapon you had to deal with your flesh, the only weapon you had to deal with your thoughts, the inclinations of your heart, the temptations that you faced, the only weapons you had were the law and willpower when you're outside of Christ. Law and willpower. And they are both very ineffective. Very ineffective at helping you. The law, and when I say the law, I'm talking about all of the law of God from which all other laws flow. The law tells us what is right and what is wrong. That's the job of the law. It reveals what is right and what is wrong. And we need to know that. And the law tells us what pleases God and what disappoints God. But the law can't help you do it or not do it. Because the law cannot change your nature. The law can only work externally. And so what we then have to do is rely on our willpower. And we kind of dig deep deep inside ourselves. And use an old phrase, we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. And and we suck it up. And we are going to do what is right. And we're going to overcome. and, And we use this willpower. Because the law has externally told us what we've done wrong. And 
it's, a, it's ineffective. And Paul deals with that reality in Romans chapter 7 as he just goes back and forth between what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do because the law has revealed it, but his willpower is so weak. Is there anything effective? Would be the unasked question. And the answer is yes. Because what the law was incapable of doing, God did. Amen? Hallelujah. God did it. He not only took care of your sin by condemning it in Christ, but he has given you a new weapon, an armor that has defensive and offensive weapons attached to it that are in your arsenal to fight sin. He has given you a source of power as you walk in this new nature in Christ. And that power is the Holy Spirit of God. He has given you himself and made a dwelling in your heart because of what Jesus did to cleanse you. And where the law and the willpower can only deal with the external and outside behavior, the Spirit, praise God, just goes to work deep inside of us, changing us from the inside out, giving us a whole new nature. And so, folks, believe that. And think about that power that you have at your disposal. And then, because you have that power at your disposal, this new power that you have in your life, number three, ask the Holy Spirit to give me better thoughts and right thinking. Again, it's about the mind. That's where this has got to start. Now that you're under no condemnation, and you no longer work, walk, According to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And you walk according to the spirit with a new power at work in you. And that new power is going to renew your mind and transform your mind. So that you begin to think in a new and different way. Because here, and I don't think I put this in the outline, but this is good. You better write this one down, okay? Thinking... Leads to feelings. And feelings lead to behavior. We get that all mixed up. Thinking leads to feelings and feelings lead to behavior. And so wrong thinking leads to wrong feelings which lead to wrong behavior. But praise God, right thinking can lead to, does lead to right Feelings which lead to right behavior. It's possible. You have a new power working it in you. Transforming and renewing your mind so that you think differently. And you feel differently. And you behave differently. The law again just focuses on behavior. It focuses on rewarding what is right and punishing what is wrong. And we need that. We need, we need that knowledge. We need that understanding. In fact, when we raise kids, we need to instill that in them, don't we? And we need to encourage and affirm and reward what is right. And we need to punish and rebuke behavior and thinking and feelings that are wrong. That's what we do as good parents. And God is a good parent. And he does that with us. 
That's good and proper training for children. But as a child grows, as a child matures into a teenager and then on into an adult, we're looking for more from them than just externally responding to rewards or punishments, right? I mean, that's where we start. And we've got to do that work when they're kids. But as they grow older, we, we want a little more from them. We want some things to begin to happen internally. We want them to be motivated from inside, not just by whether we punish or reward. And so we, we train them. We give them some opportunities to practice. And we look for internal motivation. And we need them to be able to think. And we need them to be able to make decisions because our whole goal is to send them out. So they'll grow up. That's what good parents do and that's what God does with us. The law is there to train us. Paul talks about that in a whole other book. It trains us. It teaches us what is right and wrong. There are rewards and there are punishments. But as we mature, we need something more in Christ. And so he gives us the spirit. And the spirit goes to work inside us. In our minds, in our hearts. Goes to work changing us. Changing our thinking. And so that now we're in Christ. Now that we're under no condemnation. Now that God has given us a new nature. Now that we're choosing to walk in that nature. And walk in the spirit. And think like the spirit. To have the mind of Christ. We get to choose between grave thinking. And resurrection thinking. And it is an important choice. And it has important consequences. Because again. Grave thinking leads to death. But new resurrection thinking leads to life and peace. And the reality is that our behaviors are a key determining factor in whether we're going to experience death and destruction in our lives or whether we're going to experience peace. Behaviors are key, but we have to keep backing it up because they're affected by feelings, which are affected by thinking. And our willpower isn't going to be good enough. When we see other people, and and you've seen them, I've seen them, people who have been going to church all their life, they've never really matured, they just struggle, and, and, and they would tell you themselves, they just feel weak when it comes to being a Christian. And so what do we do with that person? Well, sometimes we just want to kind of hit them over the head with the law and say, well, stop doing this. And, and, and sometimes we want to tell them, well, just, you know, just, you need to have more willpower. But the key to having life in peace, the key to changing your behavior is to change your thinking. Because right thinking will cause right feelings, which will cause right behavior, which will bring life and peace. And we need the Holy Spirit to do that. We cannot do that on our own. We absolutely must have the Spirit to focus on the Spirit. And so ask the Holy Spirit to give you better thoughts. Ask Him. He'll do it if you ask Him. It's what He wants to do. It's part of why He's here. To give you new thoughts. To give you new thinking. To remind you of what Jesus has said. See, Satan gives you thoughts. We call them temptations. The Spirit gives you thoughts. We call it inspiration. I have my own thoughts. They're called stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny, but it's true, isn't it? I, man, I do not need to rely on myself. I get myself in trouble every time. I'll be back to what Paul was in chapter 7. I'll be not doing the things I want to do and doing the things I don't want to do. No. I've got to have the Spirit 
to lead this kind of life that leads to life and peace. Paul talks about it in Galatians chapter 5. I think you're going to talk about that in your faith communities this morning. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. It's sexual immorality, it's impurity, it's lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. Boy, isn't this a fun list. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, I have said it before, Paul says, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's grave thinking. And grave thinking leads to death. It's just the truth. But the mindset of the Spirit is different. And Paul goes on. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Get this last phrase. Don't overlook this. There's no law against these things do you see the spirit through your thinking and your feelings and behavior helps you end up keeping the very law of god that pleases him but we can't do it if we don't start with the spirit we'll shortcut it and we'll mess it up we need resurrection thinking okay number four you need to know these are mental habits to help you have resurrection thinking, you need to know that you do have the power to say no to sin. And I don't think a lot of us think this is true. You do have the power to say no to sin. I'm not telling you, I'm not putting some kind of pressure on you that you are going to live a perfect life, that you should never mess up again. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm telling you, you have the power to sin less. You have the power to overcome sin in your life. You have the power to say no to temptation before it goes to sin. You have that power because the power of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Somebody wanted to say hallelujah. I heard it. You have the power to say no. You don't have that power outside of Christ. But you do in the spirit. Because you live in a new reality. And a reality of no condemnation. Also is a reality of no to sin. Because no means no when it comes to condemnation. And no means no when it comes to sin. And as adamantly. As we said, no means no last week. When we said no means no to condemnation. That adamantly, we need to say and believe in our mind. Because it will affect our feelings and it will affect our behavior. That no means no when it comes to sin. We have a new power. We have a new thinking. We have a new reality. Galatians 5.16 says, let the Spirit direct your lives. And you will not satisfy the desires of the old human nature. It happened to me this week. I was thankful for Romans chapter 8 because I was tempted and I wanted to go there. And in a split second, I remembered no means no. And I am not controlled 
My mind is not controlled by the flesh. I do not have to say no to that sinful desire. I mean, excuse me, I do not have to say yes to that sinful desire. I can say no to it because I'm not in the realm of the flesh. I'm in the realm of the spirit. That's the truth that Romans 8 is teaching me. We can, we can use God's word to keep us in the spirit and to say no to sin and no to those desires. You don't have to satisfy those desires. You really don't. Something has changed in you. You are a new person. You have a new nature. You have a new power. God's just out there cheering you on and helping you and wanting you to live up to it and live in it. And it's so important that we grasp this reality. These things are true because they come from heaven, from God, through his spirit. And you do have a new nature if you're in Christ. You know why? Because the old one died and it was buried. And the new one was raised with Christ. And that's the reality that you live in. Right this minute, Ephesians says, you are in the heavenly realms. That's where you are seated. You ever gone to SeaWorld? I don't know if they even still have killer whales at SeaWorld. Do they still have killer whales at SeaWorld? No. They were kind of fun to see because they're incredibly huge and powerful. And these dumb people get in the water with them. And jump off their nose and do all kinds of crazy things. And every once in a while, it make the news that one of those folks had been killed by that killer whale. And we all, every time we hear it, are kind of shocked by it, kind of mesmerized by it. And we think, but they spent so much time with them and they, they trained them and they taught them new tricks and new behaviors. But yet something happened. You know what it was? They were not able to change the nature of that beast. And we are not able to change the nature of this beast. But God is able. What we couldn't do, and what the law couldn't do, and what nobody could do, God did. In Christ, right there on the cross, in the flesh. I live in that new reality and it is transforming my mind. Hallelujah. It is transforming my thinking and my thinking changes my feelings and it changes my behaviors. And I am able more than I ever was before and pray, pray to God tomorrow. It'll be even more that I'll walk in his spirit and I'll walk in life and I'll walk in peace And when my own stupid thoughts and when temptations and anything else comes at me, I can say no. Because I have a power in me that is greater than the power that is in the world. There's a song that I'll ask Wendell to sing as we finish. Because we said before that Romans uses legal language. Talks about being in debt, being in bondage. And before Christ, you were in debt to sin, and the wages of sin is death. But Christ has paid that debt, and you're free and clear. You're not in debt to sin anymore. You're in debt to Christ. Your obligation is to grace. And so I want to extend to you this morning 
the grace of God. He has loved you first. He has reached down and tore the fabric of heaven and come to this earth as a man. And he lived the perfect life that the law required. And because he was the unblemished, perfect lamb of God, he was an acceptable sacrifice. And he offered himself in your place and paid your debt. And now the only debt you owe is a debt to grace. In this beautiful old song, the third verse says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily, I'm constrained to thee. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Never let me wander from thee. Never leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for the courts above. Would you respond to God today while we sing this song?